you can be seated. You can be seated, but don't get settled because we're going to have some fun this evening. I hope you came expectant. People already know this. I love you too. Most people know this about me, but I cry easy. So y'all better watch it. I, I'm excited about what God's going to do in this place this weekend. Um, one of the things that I love about our church across the globe is that we love to celebrate. And the moment that I step foot in here, I'm like, oh yeah, they're family. They're family. You guys like to celebrate. This weekend is a very historic weekend um, for our church um, and for God Behind Bars in particularly. Um, about 10 years or so ago, um, we set out on this journey to see if God could use the message of Jesus Christ through our church to begin reaching people in prisons. And so around 10 years ago, we said yes to that charge with the help of God Behind Bars and a whole lot of other people. And it's been amazing to see what God has done since. And let me just tell you, this night, you're a part of making history because never before in the history of God behind bars, nearly 15 years of ministry, over 45 locations around the United States, and they've never done a service like this before. Can we celebrate? It's amazing. So I just want to say a, a particular thank you to all of the volunteers, all of the staff. Come on, can we make some noise for them? Thank you, God Behind Bars. Thank you, Red Rocks Church. Thank you for every single person that has sacrificed to make moments like this take place. Can you help me say thank you? It's amazing. We got a lot of stuff to be celebrating this evening. Um, but I wanted to do something kind of fun. One of the things that we love to do is celebrate getting to do the weekend with you guys every single weekend. And so I, I want to extend an invitation to all of you ladies for the very first time in Red Rocks history. Can you put your hands together and make some noise for all of our Red Rocks Church locations around the globe? Red Rocks Church, can you help us at all of our locations celebrate this moment? We're making history. It's amazing. It's amazing. I'm running out of time, and I don't even have a clock, but I'm running out of time. I can tell. Um, I want to do this. This, this. this evening is special, and I feel like God put something in particular on my heart as it relates to what he wanted to communicate, not only to our church, but to you ladies in particular. I want to speak on the topic of identity, and the reason that identity is, is so, so crucial as most of us misinterpret, a lot of us are cool with a narrative that goes along the lines of God is amazing. God made the heavens and the earth. God is a, is, is a God that does miracles. He does amazing things. But then when we get to the part of the narrative where we go, and he wants to do it through you, there's a disconnect. Most of us start going like, he can't possibly do it through me. Like you can't, like you got to know my story. You got to know my rap sheet. You, you got to know my fears, my doubts, my, my inadequacies. There's no way that God could ever do something great through me. Enter in the dilemma 
of why we need to have an identity in Jesus Christ that trumps everything else in our lives. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is going to be very, very, very important. And the, th- the reason why I think it's very important for this evening is because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be watching this in cities around the world that are going to be in a different situation than you. On paper, you can look at your situation and go, yeah, all, all the things that I, I should be drawing my identity from, my, my career, my job, my bank account, my family, like my relational status, all of those things seem to be stripped away from me. Where else am I supposed to draw my identity from? Have you ever been there? Part of the deception, though, is there's going to be tens of thousands of people watching this service around the world, and they're going to be faced with the same dilemma, even though they have a world of opportunity available to them. It's because opportunity, stuff, things, relationships should never define our identity in Christ But the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he says, I'm going to wipe your slate clean and I'm going to give you a brand new identity. So I want to speak to that in particular this weekend. If you would, let's pray. I already feel the supercharged presence of God in this place. Are you grateful for that? Me too. Let's pray really quickly. God, we just submit our lives before you today. We're grateful for what you're doing in this place. We're grateful that you've made available to us your son, Jesus Christ. It's the greatest gift we could ever receive. But God, I just pray that as we look to your word, let your word be what guides us. Let your word be what directs us. God, not my words, not this moment, but the power of your word alone. Let it trump our feelings, our emotions, what people have spoken over us, our situation, our rap sheet. God, I pray that today... The word of God would reign supreme in our lives. And we pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody at Red Rocks Church and God Behind Bars said, come on. In preparation for this night, I was reading a story, a pretty interesting story about a guy. Um, It was in 2004, August of 2004, this month or last month, uh, only several years ago, that, that a man was beaten brutally behind a restaurant. He was stripped of his clothes, stripped of all of his possessions. He was thrown naked behind a dumpster. And the next day, The next day, some of the workers at the restaurant stumbled on the man and he was sunburnt. He was stripped of all of his clothes. He was bitten up um, by by fire ants. And and upon further inspection, he, he had some indents in his head that happened from some sort of a traumatic beating. This man is, is sitting there and the, 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 the co-workers find him and they, they, they call the ambulance and the ambulance ships him to the hospital and they, they start to, to assess this man and, and realize that he, it's from the traumatic brain injury. This guy doesn't remember anything. And the problem is he doesn't have any sort of identification. And because these people found him behind a Burger King, they didn't just name him John Doe, they named him Burger King Doe. That's a bad day. That's a really bad day. But this guy's stuck in a brutal situation. And so they they start trying to reach out to people. They're doing radio interviews, trying to figure out who this guy is, see if anybody's got any information on who this guy is, who his family is, where he's from. If anybody has any insider information, they're like, somebody please just tell us because right now this guy's without an identity. 
It's interesting, after he gets out of the, the hospital, he remembers nothing of his former life. Dr. Phil actually brought him on TV. He interviewed him, and trying to make this mass TV publicity to try and figure out, does somebody know who this guy is? He even paid a, a private inspector to go and try to figure out who this guy's family is, what's his identity. And this went on for 11 years straight. This guy lived not knowing his past, not knowing if he had a family, if he had a career, if he had a bank account, a home somewhere, not knowing what happened to him. Could you imagine going throughout life not having any identity? He would try to go and get work and they would tell him, you don't have a social security. No, you don't even on paper, you don't even exist. Could you imagine going throughout life with no identity? Yet, yet most of us, that's exactly how we go about life. You see, the, the challenge for us is that as we go throughout life, we want to reach and grab and cling to anything that might give us purpose and significance. And, and from the standpoint of scriptures, it's really interesting because a lot of us go into the world just like this man, no identity, like there's no rap sheet, there's, there's nothing that we could attest and, and cling to our own name. We have no purpose, no significance, no belongings. And then Jesus comes in and he changes the narrative for us. But most of us go throughout life never knowing the identity that God gives to us. And so like this man, we go throughout life and we're going, somebody just tell me who I am. Somebody just affirm me. Maybe, maybe, I, need, maybe I need a bigger promotion. Maybe I need a, a new marital status, new relational status. Maybe I need more money. Maybe I need more things. And in this situation, you're like, I feel like stuff's been stripped away from me. Who am I now? And the beautiful thing about what Jesus Christ did on our behalf is he gave us a brand new identity, a brand new name, a brand new significance, but that significance was never meant to be found inwardly on our own. Have you ever just sat there and tried to figure out who you are? Try to figure out like the, the significance of all that's gone on in your own life. Have you ever tried to figure you out on your own and you're like, I don't get Right? Or maybe the more that you look in the mirror, the more that you're like, I just don't like the person that I see because when I look in the mirror, I don't just see my wrinkles and my mole that I hate. Right? Like for me, I'm like, I don't just see the ear hair. I hate the ear hair. You're like, I, I, when I look in the mirror, I see something much deeper, much more profound. I'm not looking at, at a career or a rap sheet or a prison sentence. I'm looking at the soul of who I am. And I want to ask you the question this evening, when you look past everything, when you look past your story and your narrative, when you look past the deep longings in your own heart, who are you? Come on, I want you to think about that. Who are you on its deepest, most profound level? Who has God made you to be? Because God has wired us, hardwired us from the beginning of time 
to be able to learn from the Lord and pass and process information through our own minds that build this identity of who we are. But the problem is, if we don't get it right here, we'll never live it right in our day to day. I want to show you what the apostle Paul said. This is amazing. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, look what he says, the way that we should posture ourselves towards the thoughts and ideas that people speak over us towards our past. Look what he says. It's amazing. He says in verse 5, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy towards what? It says towards that which opposes God. He says, and we can break through every arrogant attitude that raises up in defiance the true knowledge of God. I want to tell you something because what he's saying is he's going, anything that lifts itself up above God, we need to make sure that we go at with defiance. He says, if there's something about you, a word that is spoken to you, a situation that goes against who I say you are, you better open up a can. Come on now, we're in church. Let's have some fun. He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. What is a a fantasy? Something that is not real. Some of you have had things that have been spoken over you. It feels like it's real. I felt like I deserved that one. I feel like if I look at my history, that is kind of who I am. I am kind of a deceiver or a liar. I am prideful. I do have a temper problem. I do have a gambling issue, a drug addiction, a sex addiction. I do have things that if I look at my history, it has defined me. But he says, no, 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 no. If it doesn't line up with what the word of God says, it's a fantasy. Come on now, anybody glad that when Jesus comes into your narrative, he he takes things that feel like they're true and he calls them fantasy. And he says, anything that raises up in defiance against the true knowledge of God. Can I tell you, there's nothing more arrogant than for you to not believe who God says you are. There's nothing more arrogant than for God to say you're something and for you to say, no, God, you don't know me, though. Like you don't know my story, though. There's nothing more arrogant. And it says that we need to take every attitude captive that would raise itself up against the true knowledge of God. And then watch what he says next. He says, we capture like prisoners of war every thought. And look what he says we make it do. He says, we insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Come on, I just believe that this weekend, some of us are going to start getting really militant about some of the lies that people throw our way if it doesn't line up with what he said. It's time that we take it captive and we make that thought, that lie, that deception obedient to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, uh... Red Rocks Church, you guys got to learn from these ladies. They bring the heat. Goodness. I'm taking too much time. Verse six says, since we're armed with such dynamic weaponry, do you know that what is inside of you, that Jesus has equipped you with an enormous arsenal to be able to fight against the lies that come your way? He says, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose. 
complete obedience. My hope is that this weekend, some of you go, no, 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 no. Ain't nobody going to speak lies over me anymore. Nobody's going to define who I am anymore. No thing, no situation, no loss, no setback. The only one that's going to define who I am is Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you want to push up against that, you better be ready for a fight because I got weaponry. I got weaponry. It starts in the mind, though. It starts in the mind. Have you ever felt like somebody has stolen your identity? Yes. You've been through a divorce and it felt like it kind of robbed you of identity. Identity theft at its finest. Have you, have you ever been in a situation where, 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 where rape or molestation has robbed you of your identity? Have you been in a situation where you feel like your financial status or a prison sentence or what your parents or lack thereof have thought about your life? Have you been robbed of identity? What, what Jesus is telling us is that the narrative starts here. And if we can learn to take a stronghold up here, if we can learn to stop the lies and the deception here. He says you can begin to live a life of, of freedom and in true identity because you will never accomplish the things of that God has planned for your life if you can't first learn to step into your own identity. There was a, a philosopher in the 1700s, and that makes me sound all smart and stuff. I found it on Google, so don't think anything about it. His name was Blaise Pascal, and he had something really interesting as it pertains to how we conduct our lives. Where, where do we find the narrative for me? He says, not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, he says, but we know ourselves only by Jesus Christ. Think about that. Like Jesus helps us know God, but he says, you will never know yourself if you don't first know Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, we know life and we know death only through Jesus Christ. And apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what our life is. I wonder, do you approach life and who you are with that kind of ferocious seeking? Jesus, if I, if I don't know you, I will never know me. I, when this started to click in my mind, following Jesus became really, really selfish. Because I'm like, if I got to know him to know me, I want to know me, so I got to know him. And the more that I began to seek him, the more that I began to search, the more that through Jesus' life, his purposes for me became to unravel. It was amazing. We learn about ourselves through Jesus Christ only. All throughout the scripture, there's this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, that's attributed towards followers of Jesus Christ. A lot of his disciples, when, when it's referring to their lives, to their purpose, to, to what is ahead, in Christ is used in almost 35 different applications. It says, 
Throughout the Bible, if you want to know what is available to you, when Jesus comes, he changes your narrative and everything that you live should be lived in Christ. But for me, I don't know about you, when I come into conflict, come into opposition, come into a difficult situation, oftentimes I don't think about the fact that I'm in Christ. I think about the fact that I'm in debt. (laughs) Have you been there? You're in a situation and you're like, I can't do that because I got (laughs) to, I'm up to here in debt. I can't do that because I'm in depression. I can't do that because my life is in disarray. I don't think about in Christ. I think about the fact that I'm in trouble. I think about the fact that I'm in prison. I think about the fact that I'm in bankruptcy. I think about the fact that I'm in between jobs. I think about the fact that I'm in pain. And you're telling me I got to live in Christ? It's tough, but it starts here. In Christ, I promise you, friends, is going to trump any situation that you find yourself in. Cling to the fact that you are first and foremost in Christ. Can I give you just two things to hang on to? Literally, it's going to be two words. I want to make it so simple for you. There's so many in Christ sort of applications for your life, but I just want to give you two that have made the most impact in my own life. The first one is found in Ephesians 1.4. It says this, even as in his love, he chose us. Do you know that God chose you? Lean to your neighbor and said, he chose you. He chose you. You got to make sure that they know he chose you. He chose us. That means actually he, he picked us out for himself to be his own. Like he's like, you are mine. I pick you. You ever been to a party and they open up the pizza box and they got all the slices of pizza and there's always one that's like this big and you're like, I want that one. Right? You're like, I picked that one first. (laughs) Then on the other side, anybody ever played dodgeball or or sports of some sort? And you're standing there, the last one there. Nobody picks you. How many of you know it's good to be picked first? And Jesus says, I chose you. It was my own choice. I wanted you. I chose you in Christ. And then he says this, before the foundations of the world. So before your biggest mistakes, before your setbacks, before the family that you were placed into, before anything ever went right or wrong in your life, he said, I want you. I want you. Before the foundations of the world, he says this, and this is what he wants for us. Now, I want you to think about this through the lens of how you've always pursued identity. He he says this. He says that we should be holy. That just means set apart to him. Jesus, you don't want me to be a stockbroker or something? A millionaire, Beyonce. I mean... He says, listen to what he places emphasis on. He says, no, I want you to be holy first. 
I want you to be set apart for me. Like, I, I want dibs, okay? Like, if you're going to do something, I, I want you to work for me, live for me, act for me, speak for me. I want dibs. I want you to be holy, set apart. And then he says this. And I want you to be blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. How many of you know, because of what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, he made a way for us to be spotless and blameless in his sight. And so he says this, I want you to be set apart for me and remember to come to me in love and I'm going to cover you in my holiness. I'm going to cover you in my holiness. I don't know about you. I've done some things in my life that I regret. I wish I could take back. And I'm so grateful for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that he wipes every slate clean. He knew that I was going to sin before I sinned. And he still said, I choose you. So from this passage, I want you to remember one thing. You are his. If you're going to live out the God identity in you and you walk into trials and tribulations and conflict and unknown territory, it's really good for you to know, yeah, but I'm his and he chose me. I'm his. That's the first thing I want you to remember. I love what it says in Colossians 3.3 because this is the second thing that I want you to cling to. Colossians 3.3 says this, for you died to this life. He's saying when you became a Christ follower, the life that you used to live, it's dead. Don't even try to resuscitate it. How many of you are glad? Get that thing out of here. I'm glad that thing's gone. I'm glad it's not a part of me. I'm glad it has no part in my life. He says, for you died to this life. And he says this, but your real life, listen to this because it's a little weird. He says, your real life is hidden with Christ Jesus. He got all preachy and then he said something weird. He said, he said, your life is now hidden with Christ. Your old life is dead and you're hidden in Christ. I want you to think about something. I was playing with my daughter this week. She's two. She's amazing. Her name's Ara. Pray for Ara, would you? I was playing with her this week and, and we, were, we were hiding. I like to just jump out and scare her because I'm demented. I have issues. Sorry. Pray for me too. But I was trying to find her and I pop out and I scare her. She's screaming. She's coming running to me. And, and there was one moment where, where we hid together. We're in the closet. The only problem was we were the only ones that were playing hide and go seek. But there was a big difference between me hiding from Ara and Ara hiding from me. There was something that changed when I knew that we were hiding together. I'm telling you what, if some of you would realize in some of the most difficult situations of your life that you are first and foremost his, but even better is the fact that when you are in difficult situations, you are hidden with Christ. Can somebody make some noise if you're excited about the fact that he hides you and he holds you and he protects you? You're hidden. First, you are his, and second, you are hidden. Lean to your neighbor and tell him you're hidden. Being hidden is really fun because when you don't have enough resources to do the things that you feel like God's asked you to do, you go, it's not about me, I'm, I'm hidden in him. 
When you feel incapable for what God's placed in front of you, it's cool to step into that place to go, I don't need to be capable. I'm with him. Any imperfections, I'm hidden. Any shortcomings, I'm hidden. Any areas that I lack, I'm, I'm, I'm hidden. Are you glad that you're hidden? Friends, you'll never have a true identity in Christ if you can't realize that you're his. He chose you. He wanted you. He knew the mistakes you'd make before you made them. And he still said, yeah, I get dibs. And then he says, he may be even better. He goes, your rap sheet. Don't worry. I'll hide it. The things that you really long for, I'll hide it. I got you. The things that deep down you never got, got you. Your lack of parenting, your lack of love, your lack of appreciation, your lack of respect, your lack of opportunity, I, I got you. Friends, I'm telling you, it's made all the difference in my life when I step into a situation where I go, I'm outnumbered. I'm not fit out for the task. I go, yeah, but I'm his. He wanted me. In every area that I lack, he hides it behind his greatness. This weekend, my hope was that some people would leave here with some fire inside of your soul. She said, we got fire. Say, I'm his. And I'm hidden. I'm his. And I'm hidden. I want to read for you one last scripture as I close. And the band can come forward at all of our locations. James 1, 23, verse 24 says something really interesting. He says that anybody who listens... To the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I wonder, sometimes you come into a space like this and, and you hear a preacher and you're like, yes, and you're screaming and you're clapping and you're celebrating and you hear God's word, but then it doesn't take root inside your life. James is saying, don't do that. Make sure when you hear God's word, you bury it in your heart. You live it out. And anybody that wants to try to come in conflict with the truth of God, I'm ready to take every single thought captive. You better watch out. He says, this thing should be like a mirror to you. You ever looked in a mirror and you were just kind of let down with what you saw? He says, you don't derive your identity by looking in the mirror. You derive your identity by looking into the word of God. When I look to this thing, I see who I am. When I looked into this thing, I see the truth about me. When I look into this thing, this thing should shape and should form my life. My prayer this weekend is that some of us would begin to look through these pages. If you want to, you want to, you want to do an amazing study, start reading about all of the in him statements.
and you'll see this is what he's got for me. When I'm in Christ, this is made available. But friends, the first step in having true, unshakable identity is that we are first in him. And so for those of you that have never made a relationship with Jesus Christ foremost in your life, you've not made it, you've not given it significant space, you've not made him Lord of your life, I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that because this unshakable identity purpose in the middle of storms, purpose in the middle of your current situation can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And with every head bowed and every eye closed across all of our locations, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus in this place. I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I know that for some of you, he's just tugging on your heart. The Bible says that if you want to be saved, you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus. It says that if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and that he was raised from the dead for your sins on your behalf, it says that the Bible says you will be saved. And if you've never done that, you've never made him Lord. You've never said, God, I don't like my life. I feel like I lack purpose. I feel like I lack the rap sheet. I, I, I feel like my life is broken. My significance is dead and gone and buried. But Jesus, your word says that if I make you Lord, I get a new life. I do what you say. I am who you say I am. We sang that before we started. In this place, if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, you've never made him Lord, you've never entered into this relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you, would you just raise your hand in this place? I just want to include you in a prayer. Nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just lift up your hand? Amazing. Jesus, I thank you that you chose us. I thank you that we're yours. And God, I just pray for every single person that just lifted their hand as an act of faith saying, Jesus, I want to make you Lord. Forgive my sins. Rid me of all of my shame. Jesus, I pray you do something so profound in this place that as they begin to lift up the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would save their heart and that you would begin to usher them into a relationship that I promise will change their lives forever. Jesus, I thank you for the work that you did upon the cross that makes this available to us. In this place and at all of our locations, can we celebrate everybody that just made that decision for the very first time? And I want to pray for one more group before we get rowdy and we worship again and we lift high the name of Jesus that makes all this possible. I want to pray for you in this place. If you've been living this life, you've been a Christ follower, but you're like, something is missing deep down on the inside. I don't know who I am. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know my purpose. I feel like all my significance has been robbed from me. I want to pray for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus, I just pray for people in this place that feel like they've been stripped from identity. God, I pray that you would speak life into them again. 
God, I pray that they would wipe the slate clean of everything anybody has ever spoken to them, that they would in this moment begin to take those lies captive in their minds and that they would begin to replace them with who you say that they are. Jesus, what you say trumps what anybody else says. What you have for us trumps what anybody else says is capable in our lives. And so, Jesus, we give you this moment. Would you speak to us? Would you give us new identity? Would you give us new purpose? Would you give us new intensity? We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And everybody that's in love with Jesus Christ said, would you do me an amazing favor? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing one more song, and can we give it all we got? Can you do that for me? Guys, do your thing.